Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. Chapter 19. The Bible says here, it came to pass. I'm glad it will pass. (laughs) It came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel and there was a certain Levite staying in the remote mountains of Ephraim, he took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. Now the other Levite that we read in chapter 18 is not this one. This is a different one with different occurrences. And, you know, because there was no king, people did what was only right in their own eyes. And this other level, so the, the last level we read about last week, this Levite was hired to be someone else's priest. And this guy made idols, made them, and, you know, basically they were worshipping idols and other things that were fashioned with the man's hand. And this one now, we see him also breaking the Levitical laws as were given by God. And the law is, he's taken for himself a what? A concubine. You guys know what a concubine is, right? Concubine were these women in these olden days that were picked by the masters for sexual pleasures and to ensure that the boss has a lot of kids, (laughs) has a lot of children. So that was their only job, to please the master and to make sure that they have a lot of children. And the reason why their rank was very low is because even their children were not recognized to be legally the children of this family unless the boss would agree to give them a portion of his inheritance. So these children were called illegitimate children from these concubines. So I don't know why they would agree for such a lower status, but nevertheless, some of them were slaves. Some of them had nowhere to go, and they would choose to give themselves as concubines to their masters, to their bosses. So this Levite has broken the law of God not to, you know, to remain married to one woman legally. He picked for himself a concubine. 
And um, the Bible continues to say, but this concubine played the harlot against him and went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah and was there four whole months. So the concubine, we see the, he, he breaks the law and he has a concubine. And this writer called Josephus, he actually wrote some notes about this concubine and this Levite, saying historically the way they lived with this woman, specifically, they quarreled a lot. They were always in many fights. So probably in one of the fights that they had, this woman decided, well, I know it is the worst thing that happens in our culture. And even some part of the African culture, it is a shame that when you are already married, to go back to your father's house. You guys know that, right? It's a shame in the African culture. So people would just decide to stay even when they're being oppressed or whatever happens because it's a shame to go back home. But this concubine decides to go back to, his, to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah. And she was there for four whole months. Then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and to bring her back. To speak to her kindly. To go and probably seduce her back to his house. But probably this is not what will happen Let's read further. Having his servant and a couple of donkeys with him, so he brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. Now his father-in-law, the young woman's father, detained him. And he stayed with him three days. So they ate and drank and lodged there. Then it came to pass on the fourth day that they arose early in the morning and stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to his son-in-law, Refresh your heart with a morsel of bread. That's a piece of bread. And afterward, go your way. So they sat down, and the two of them ate and drank together. Then the young woman's father said to the man, Please, be content to stay all night. Let your heart be merry. And when the man Stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him. So he lodged there again. Then he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said, Please refresh your heart. 
So they delayed until afternoon, and both ate. And when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, Look, the day is now drawing towards evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow, go your way early so that you may get home. So how, how do you trust this father-in-law again? <laughs> you know, it's been, you know, just stay here. Make your heart merry. Eat and drink and you shall go tomorrow. Tomorrow comes. The same thing. Hey, you. Stay here with me. Eat and drink. You know, eat and drink, eat and drink, eat and drink. This guy was, this father-in-law was such a partier. <laughs> Just eat, drink, eat, drink, eat, drink. Then the son-in-law, I think, got tired. However, the man was not willing to spend that night. So he arose and departed and came opposite Jebus, that is the new name that we have for Jerusalem. This was the land of the Jebusites. With him were the two saddle donkeys. His concubine was also with him. They were near Jebus, and the day was first spent. And the servant said to his master, Come! Please let us turn aside into this city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. This would have been a good place for them to lodge in. But he did not listen. But this, his master said to him, We will not turn aside here in a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. So he said to his servant, Come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah in Ramah. And they passed by and went their way. And when the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, they turned aside there to go in to lodge in Gibeah. And when he had went in, he sat down on an open square of the city, for no one would take them in his house to spend the night. They're already in trouble. He refused to go to the other place, and the place they've gone to, no one is willing to host them. Just then, an old man came in from his work. I don't know how old he was, but he was from his work in the field at the evening, who was also from the mountains of Ephraim. He was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamin. So, this is one of the tribes of the children of Israel who are in this 
place, Benjamin. And when he raises high, he saw the traveler in an open square of the city, and the old man said, Where are you going, and where do you come from? I don't know if these words are familiar with you, those who are readers of the Bible, in Job chapter 1, verse 7. This was a question that God asked. Where are you going to? You Satan. Satan said, hey, you know what my job is? To go to and fro. Hapakule. To and fro. Trying to find someone that I can devour. Someone that I can take advantage of. Where are you going and where do you come from? So he said to him, we are passing from Bethlehem in Judah towards the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I am going to the house of the Lord, but there is no one who will take me in his house. He's now using God's name in this place. I am going to the house of the Lord. There's no one who is willing to take me to his house, although we have bought straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself and for your female servant and for your young man who is with your servant. There is no lack of anything. In other words, he's saying, even if someone would have just given me a roof over my head, I have everything for sustenance. I don't have to be a burden to anyone. I have food for the donkeys. We have bread and wine for the three of us. You know. The only thing we need is shelter, but no one is willing to do that. And the old man said, peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. Because every other person who actually denied them a place to stay, these people, in other words, they have left their traditional way of just helping people, and helping strangers to lodge. Because this was a culture in the Middle East. When you see strangers, people who are new, you don't let people stay outside. You don't let people live in the cold, dying in the cold. But this man thought, man, this, is, this has not been our culture. Though everyone else has gone away, they have run away from this man, and he says he's going to the house of God. He says, peace be with you. I don't know in which language or what he really means by that. Peace be with you. He hasn't known this man that long. But say, however, let all these things be on me. I'm going to pay for it. You just come. 
and lodge in my house. Only do not sleep outside. And there can be a possibility that when these people would sleep outside because he saw this uh, master and a servant and a young beautiful woman, this old man thought, man, if these guys sleep outside here, they'll be robbed of everything and probably this woman will be taken advantage of. So let me just be courteous enough and help them. But then the story continues. So he brought him into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. As they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain mains of the city perverted men. which means people were watching them. While they were at the city squares, they thought they were safe. But there were people who would actually take advantage of them as the old man probably had supposed that people would take advantage of them. So he gave them a place to come and lodge. And I like what the uh, King James says in that verse, verses 22, Now as they were making their heart merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial. Now we have gone through first and second um, Corinthians. If you're keen enough, you probably got this word. In there. And Paul was writing to the Corinthians and he told them, What fellowship has Christ and Belial? What fellowship has Christ and Satan, basically? So, in other words, the people who are here, these indecent people, these perverts. So, this is what you should know. Every pervert is the son of the devil. <laughs> Every pervert, we know who their father is. Like we know, you know, the liars, who their father is. The Bible says Satan is the father of all who lie. The father of all liars. So these sons of Belial surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him carnally. Wow. This is the exact, nearly the exact same story, Genesis 19. The men who came at Lord's house say, we want those two men who came to your house. Why do you want them? Because we want to know them carnally. What a wicked and perverse generation. What a wicked people. 
And this thing is like a cycle. It, it never ends. We read it in Genesis. We read it here. We read it in Romans. And we can read it today in the newspapers. And we actually see it. We can re relate with this information and this hostility that is happening. As Paul writes and says, people will leave their natural affection and a man clinging to a man, a woman for a woman. Man. This is as bad as it can get. I, I don't know the countenance of this man that caused the other man to desire to know them carnally. I don't want to get graphic, but this is bad. And it's not like as we are going, you know, towards the end, it gets better. <laughs> no, it gets to the pit. It gets worse and worse and worse. Bring the man so that we can do what? We can know him carnally. But the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. And do you know the worst thing? That these, these are not the pagans. These are from the tribe of the people whom God has set apart. Benjamin. From the tribe of Benjamin. It is now coming to a point where this is happening now in the house of God. Look, and this is what the man says, nearly the exact thing that Lord said to those men in Sodom and Gomorrah. Look, here is my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out. And you do what? You humble them. And do with them as you please. But this man do not do such a vile thing. The story continues. We just began, and it says, it came to pass those days when there was no king in Israel, that there was this Levite who take, took for himself a concubine, doing what pleased him, what pleases him. And here, this old man again is saying to them, hey, I'm going to give these two women to you, and do what? As you please. As you please. 
There is always a big danger when people will do as they please. In every generation, as long as we live, people will always encourage you. Like, hey, follow your heart. Do what you please. Do you actually know what you want to do? (laughs) The things you want to do, many of them, trust me, are not godly. Many of them are very carnal. If you're given a chance to do, man. Do to them what you wish. Like, hey, this man knows from the laws of God, this old man, that no man was, go, was supposed to go and know another man. As if that was not enough, he says, do to them what you guys would wish to do. But for this man, do not do such a vile thing. This man is willing to give his own daughter and also to volunteer this other man's concubine. I don't know if he asked for consent or he just decided, well, since we have two women here, you, you go and save our lives. We'll be safe, this gentleman here, but you women go out there and save our life. What a horrible thought. And this is why this is one of the uh, heaviest parts or one of the parts that I wouldn't want to talk about it so much. But the man would not heed him. So the man took his concubine and brought her out And they knew her and abused her all night until morning. Oh well. This was a wicked man, in my opinion. Because as a husbandman, you are supposed to protect your bride. You're supposed to look after the well-being of your wife. You chose her. You chose to dwell with her. You, I mean, you guys had a quarrel. She went back home. You went to the father. You pleaded. You're given back, you're headed back home, and then people are coming against you, and now you're opting to give her out for this vile man, sons of the devil, to go and mistreat her out in the cold. Basically saying, hey, I am giving you my wife. Go do whatever you want with her. 
The Bible is very clear. It says they knew her. They abused her. Basically, they raped her all night long until morning. Why? Because this man chose to leave his wife to these people. This is the exact opposite what we see from the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's promised never to leave us until the end of time. Do you think Jesus would leave his own bride out there in the cold to be mistreated by this vile man? No. Jesus is a perfect example of a husband who will die for the wife, for the bride. Dying on the cross, the death that we were supposed to die, he went and gave himself out in the cold to be tortured at night so that you and I would be safe. As opposed to this Levite who is leaving his wife out in the cold to be raped by vile men the whole night. I don't know if anyone would pick this part of the scripture to preach on a Sunday morning. I don't know how that would go. It's God's word. But it's indeed sad what is happening. They abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. Then the woman came at the day, as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. When her master rose in the morning and opened the door of the house and went out to go his way, there was his concubine fallen at the door of the house with her hand on the threshold. Basically, her hand was trying to nurse the wound and get hold of the blood, but she couldn't. And he said, listen to what this guy said, as opposed to what he said when, when, they, uh, when the wife went back to her father's house. This is what he said. He when her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and to bring her home. This was his intention, to speak to her kindly, like, honey, you're the best. You, you know, all this word that you would speak that would calm her down so that you, she'll come back home. And he probably managed to do that because they were on their way back home. But then... After he gave his wife to this man, and he woke in the morning, I don't know whether he slept or whatever, 
But the Bible says when he arose, he was about now to go. So the concubine laying there, if there was some humanity left in this man, he would have gone back to the house and talked to the older gentleman and say, hey man, this, this is not good. This doesn't look good. The condition of my concubine, of my wife, is not good. Please, is there any possible way that we can take her to see a doctor? Is there any possible way that we can nurse her? Is there any possible way that we can help her? She's bleeding to death. But listen to what this man said, this Levite. And he said to her, Get up and let us be gone. Let us get going. But there was no answer. So the man lifted her unto the donkey, and the man got up and went to his place. So he said, get up, let's go. There was no answer. He decided to pick the woman up, laid her on the donkey. I don't know even if he checked whether the woman was alive or not. Just he wanted to get home, probably to see his other people. No value for this concubine anymore. When he entered his house, he took a knife. So this woman is already dead. She's already dead. Took a knife, laid hold of his concubine, divided her into 12 pieces. Limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. What a loving man. He was not just a regular man, he was known as a Levite, the people who taught other people God's word, the people who offered sacrifices to God, the people who stand on the gap on behalf of the people speaking to God. This is the man that led this woman to be killed, literally, by vile men. And then after that, she sliced her 12 times. This is why I said I want to be done with this book. <laughs> and so it was that all who saw it said, no such deed 
has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. She's using her to send messages to all the 12 tribes of Israel. So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba as well as from the land of Gilead. And the congregation gathered as one before the Lord as Mizpah. Now since we began this book, from chapter 1, we've never heard that the children of Israel, all of them, gathered as one. They never did that until today. Because something has happened that clicked their attention and now they want the Lord to intervene. They gathered together as one man before the Lord. They are troubled. They've never seen such a thing. This never used to happen. The far that they, this would have gone was to use the animals, to slice up animals and to send, use it to send messages, not human beings. And the leaders of or the people or the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. This is, this is a lot of people. This is the first time they are coming together and actually you see these 400,000 people who drew sword. These are people who are ready for war, for battle right away. And the other sad thing is they are not waging war against their other enemies. They are waging war against themselves, against now the children of Benjamin, one of their own. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. Then the children of Israel said, Tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? And so the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, My concubine and I went into Gilead, which belongs to the Benjamin, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. And the man of Gilead rose against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished, they ravished my concubine so that she died. Now see how he's giving this information. 
Instead of saying, hey, I willingly gave up my concubine because they were bothering me, they wanted me, and I chose to give them my concubine. So he's changed. Instead, they ravished my concubine so that she died. And after she died, I sliced her into pieces. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her into pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel because they committed lewdness and outrage and outrage in, in Israel. Lewdness is always associated with sexual impurity. So they raped her. Look, all of you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here and now. Why didn't this man seek counsel and advice before? Giving his wife giving his concubine. And he is actually giving a command, like here and now. So the people arose as one man. Again, the children of Israel, they arose as one. Everyone in one voice, unity, saying, none of us will go back to his tent, nor will any turn to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gilead. To Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. We will take ten men out of every hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, a hundred out of every thousand, and a thousand out of every ten thousand to make provision for the people that when they come to Gibeah in Benjamin, they may repay all the violence that they have done in Israel. <clears throat> so all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. They have repeated this one very much. They gather together as one man, as one man, as one man. They are in unity against Benjamin. Then the tribe of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now therefore deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel by the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren and the children of Israel. They could not. Like, we probably know who they are, but we won't give them up. So you guys do whatever you please. Because they thought, man, we, you know, we are all children of Israel, and... Probably you guys know that none of us will be cut off. You cannot cut one tribe off and leave 11 and think God will be just silent. 
So they refused to do that. They refused to give these perverts. And from their cities, at the time the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besieged the inhabitant of Gilead, who numbered 700 select men. Among all these people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. <laughs> I don't know why they chose to drop this information that I don't know how it helps us. You know, lefties, all the left-handed people. <laughs> so basically, the, the name Benjamin means the son of my right hand. And left hand was associated with a certain deformity, and especially in terms of war. Every other warrior, if you are lefty, it means you guys, you have lefties in your camp, you guys are handicapped. You will not win the battle. All the lefties, you guys are handicapped. But then think about it. These 700 men would not miss a shot. If they are aiming your hair, that is where the stone comes to. These are dangerous men, and 700 of them. I don't know where probably David learned from these guys. <laughs> now, besides the Benjamin... The men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? First of all, they're even asking a wrong question. They should have asked, can we go against them in battle? They've already chosen that, hey, this is a battle and we are not going back, so who is going first? And the Lord allowed them. The Lord said, well, Judah first. Then the children of Israel arose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And basically this first people who went, they were slain badly with these people and the left-handed men. <laughs> they, were left, they were killed. They killed 22,000 that first day. It is in verse 21. And then they did not give up again. The people that is, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves again, formed the battle line in place where they had put themselves in array the first day. Then the children of Israel went up 
and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? They know who they are fighting. And the Lord said, Go up against him. It's like the Lord is setting up for something because he's telling them to go and they're going to be killed. So the children of Israel approached the city of Benjamin on the second day and Benjamin went out against them from Geber on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All this drew the sword. So 18,000 plus 22,000, that is what? 40,000 in two days. And do you know how many they are? They're only 26,000. And they already killed 40,000. Okay. But probably that was the end of the victory. Then all the children of Israel, that is all the people, went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. Now, since when we began studying this book, this is the first time they are fasting. <laughs> that the Bible is recording right here. The first time they're really um, fasting till evening. And they offered burnt offering and peace offering. This is also the first time they're doing this to God, not to other gods. So the children of God, the, the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. Also, this is the first time we are hearing that the ark of the covenant was with them. So these are the times they would go against the Lord and the Ark of the Covenant was laid somewhere. And while the story continues, they, they went and inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, hey, I will give them into your hands again. So in verses 29, then, the Israel, then Israel set men in ambush all around Gibeah. And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin in the third day, you know. Basically, they went up to war again, and now this time, they were killed so badly. They didn't know that the disaster was waiting against them. So this from verses 36, the children of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. Men, they were defeated. Then the men of Israel had given ground to the Benjamites because they rallied on the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeon. So the story continues. I'll just give you what happened. They were killed. And only 600 men survived. They ran away the opposite direction to some cliff. And their, their lives were spared. 
And this very last chapter. Now all the men of Israel had sworn an oath at Mizpah, saying, None of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as wife. Now, this problem are going deep and deep and deep. Now all the tribe, imagine, close to all of them are being wiped away. You only have how many? 600 men remaining who ran away. And now there's a dilemma because they, they made an oath that we will not give our daughters to be married to this man because of what they have done. So how do we say, how do we cut the children of Israel from the face of the earth? They are our brothers. What are we going to do? So what they're trying to do is to find loopholes for them. So what they did, they went into some other people, they killed them, and they did what? They brought 400 girls. <laughs> 400 women. What shall we do? For wives, for those who remain, seeing that we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our daughters as wives. Then they said, What one is there from the tribe of Israel who did not come out to Mizpah to the, to the Lord? And in fact, no one had come to the camp from Jabesh Gilead to the assembly. For when the people were counted, indeed, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead was there. So the congregation sent out 12 sent there 12,000 of their most valiant men and commanded them, saying, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword, including women and children. And this is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has known a man intimately. So they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young virgins who had not known any man intimately. So they went and fought, found how many? 400 virgins. And they brought them to the man of Benjamin. But still, there is a what? There is a problem. Because they are 600 men. What? So it's like they thought, well, there are 600. We give them 400. This will sort them out. <laughs> they let them fight over them. You know, at least we have helped them. At least 400 is better than nothing. Oh, that is what they did. Verse 16. Then the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do? For wives, for those who remain since the women of Benjamin have been destroyed. They said, there must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin. That a tribe may not be destroyed from Israel. They know that for a fact. However, we cannot give them wives from our daughters 
For the children of Israel have sworn an oath, saying, Cursed be the one who gives a wife to Benjamin. Then they said, In fact, there is a yearly feast of the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, on the other side, on the side of east highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south of Lebona. Therefore, they instructed the children of Benjamin, saying, Go lie in wait in the vineyard. <laughs> well, this was a vile party, by the way. They say it's the party of the Lord, and these women would go. It was a dance party, okay? And they are running out of idea, and this is the best idea they have for last, okay? We have 200 without wives. What are we going to do? We have pretty women. <laughs> they are virgins. And you know their business? They are going to dance. It's a party. So you guys do this. Go and lay in the bush. Lay in wait. This is not wisdom. This is craftiness. Okay. <laughs> this is craftiness. I don't know what they're teaching these young men because anytime you hear words from the elderly people, people will always tend to carry this idea to the next generation. Have you heard of women who are just going to fetch water and they got married? <laughs> they didn't return home. They went to bring posho. They went with unga. They went with maize. They prepared unga. This will be their first meal in that guy's house. That is how they got married. <laughs> Some of your parents know these stories in the village. That is how people got married, and they will not complain about it. Please try that now, you... Oh, man. Then it shall be that their fathers and their brothers come to complain. After our patana now want. Say, be kind to them for our sakes, because we did not take a wife for any of them in the war. For it is not as though that you have given the, woman, the women to them at this time, making yourself guilty of your oath. And the children of Benjamin did so. They took enough. I don't know what they mean by enough. Probably more than enough. They took enough wives for their number from those who danced, whom they caught. <laughs> then they went and returned to their inheritance. And they rebuilt their cities and dwell in it. So the children of Israel departed from there at that time. Every man to his tribe and family, they went out from there. Every man to his inheritance. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own sight, in his own eyes. That was quite a point to end this book with. 
Everyone did what was right. Even this craftiness of bringing women and lying on the bush and capturing women. You women, imagine that. You're in this party, you're, you're coming for wisdom for women. <laughs> wisdom for women. And some crafty men are somewhere. You know, they, there's no bush, but they can lay behind with their guitars playing in wait <laughs> of whoever. And everyone got a wife. Went back, rebuilt from these 600 men. I don't know what your take home is, but the thing is, think about all these vile things that are happening via our Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done for us. That however much you'd think that this man, this woman loves you so much, no one will outlove you more than Jesus Christ. Why? Because we see in the scriptures that he's the only one who died for you. He's the only one who went out in the cold for you thinking about you. He's the only one who will not take advantage of you. And he's the only one who has prepared a place for you. What a wicked send-off for this concubine. I mean, even if the father would say, hey, I want to bury my daughter. She's dead. I want to bury my daughter. How do you do that? One piece is with Reuben. Another one with Benjamin. Another one with God. Another one with Dan. Another one with... I mean, how do you reconcile all these things as a father? But the only one God we know, our Father, He gave His only Son to be hanged on the cross, or the cold, so that you and I will inherit the kingdom of God. If it were not of Jesus Christ, I don't know how I would reconcile this part of the scripture. I don't know how it would apply to me and you if it were not of Jesus Christ laying his life down for the sake of you and I. When everyone will run away, the person you thought should have loved you the most is the one who gave you up. Jesus hasn't given up on anyone. He has not. Though we are running away from him time after time, he has not given up on you. Amen? The book we are going to begin is probably not depressing like this last part that we just read. It's a good story. Ruth <laughs> probably will like it. The story is nice. Amen? But nonetheless, it is God's word. We should pray that the Holy Spirit helps us 
to understand the reason why it was written for us and how we ought to apply it in our lives. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this book. Indeed, we have seen uh, a lifestyle of a people you called by your name, the people who are called by your name, going against your will and desires, going to serve other gods. You restore them. They are at peace for a few days. They go back again and do things that are unlawful, worshipping other gods, worshipping idols, doing things that they shouldn't have done. But at the end of the day, we see the beautiful picture of our husband, man, Jesus Christ, who died for us. That he hanged himself on the cross so that we don't have to go through that. But as many has believed him, as many has received him, he's gave them the opportunity to become sons of God. Thank you for that privilege, God. And thank you for saving us. As we depart in fellowship, we ask for your blessings. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718-012-496. See you next time.